podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome, lovely listener, to the Anfield Index podcast. It's episode 286, and I'm Trev Denny, podcasting to you from my field here in beautiful rural Ireland, where I've made an adjustment today. I'll more of that later. I'm joined as ever by Carl Kopak, by Cam Branch, and producer Guy Drinkle is hovering in the background with flat cap akimbo. Um, I have an interesting uh, little clip to play for you, which we played in the show before. I'll explain the context of it in a second. Um, and I have a interesting show ahead for you with the lads. We're going to talk about United, um, obviously. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about Mark Clattenburg and his amazing contributions to the, to the world. We're going to have a little chat briefly about the VAR um, crack that's getting some publicity and that's actually neutral and in favour of Liverpool for once. We may chat about how the injuries are going to affect the Liverpool-United game and I have a couple of surprise topics at the end, one football-related, one not, that uh, I'm looking forward to chatting to the boys about as well. So I'm going to get started today now because of the thing that cannot be named, the thing that will remain nameless on this show, uh, and the way in which the governments of my country, Ireland, and the lads over in the British Isles, um, and a lot of people I'm very close to in, in the States, because of the way those things are currently unfolding and the people in them are behaving, um, I found myself looking for distraction. I certainly have not found myself, unlike my uh, learned colleague, watching hour upon hour of mainstream media. I've been looking at stuff on YouTube to make me think about anything else but what's going on uh, and what's playing out in the realms of political theatre and horror show um, public health. So to that end, I've been distracting myself with uh, an old favourite of mine, uh, Limmy. And I've played this clip before, but it's particularly, I've been listening to his stories, Lemmy's stories on Twitch. Um, they can be eight, nine, 10, 25 minutes, and they're invariably immensely entertaining. And you'll sit there with a sort of your face, uh, in various states of, um, smile for the duration of it. I find them very distracting. Um, you need to have, uh, perhaps, uh, it's sort of a lenient attitude towards the uh, more vulgar language. And I'm giving a two-minute warning now to all parents who, for some strange reason, best known to themselves, have decided to listen to me and uh, my two chums here uh, with their children. You might want to just shuffle them out for a couple of minutes here because uh, Lemmy's going to deal with the um, thorny issue of... Uh, Margaret Thatcher in this clip and it's done in the form of three characters he starts off uh, one guy's taking you on a tour and then there's two other old hard-bitten Glaswegians who join in like I said I've played it before but it's about her um, now before I start something's coming to the background there gents so if you don't mind me in, thank you Fucking sea. You know, 
Billy Connolly the big gun, you know. Oh, fucking Thatcher. A dildo and Thatcher is dead arse. Right, there's no need for that, son. That's a fucking woman you're talking about. You're fat. Pat, you're starting to sound like one of them. What the fuck he's talking about a fucking mummy there? Pat, you're starting to sound like a fucking dude. It's not like a fucking woman spoken about. It's not anyone's Thatcher he's talking about. What he's talking about Thatcher? A fucking woman, a woman's on a fucking... What's talking about Thatcher? She told the fucking heart out of this community. Well, do you not fucking remember, Pat? I fucking remember me, lady cunt. I fucking remember me, lady cunt. Uh, never ceases to give me a giggle at. Uh, Carl Kalbach, you have been watching a lot of TV lately. Um, fair play to you. Uh, we won't get into what. Uh, safe to say it was uh, political theatre uh, of uh, the highest order. Um, but what have you got for us to open up this week? Ladies and gentlemen, introducing Gareth Cobain. Fantastic. Walk around in voice. Just what is Gareth Cobain? It's your buddy G. It's Gareth Cobain. What a fantastic in and of itself that could be pun of the year, but um for him to for him to wind in his Halair thing into it is tremendous as well, I have to say. I can't remember there was now the, the 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 three G's of your buddy's life and the one the last one is Gert. Something girls and Gert. I can't think of what the other one is now. Gold maybe. He does like gold, doesn't he? He does. He does. <laughs> if you paint, if you if you paint something gold, it, it it increases its value times ten, and he demonstrates that to Steve by spraying a bucket of gold. That's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I can't remember. Actually, before you go any further, of course, I should have mentioned in my in my intro, um, and seeing as you've you've brought forward the this delightful specter of one of the show's leading um, spirit animals, uh, one of the other ones, of course, is Brian Blessed, and we saw in the week a picture of Brian receiving his vaccination, and he has a, on a lovely short sleeved pink uh, shirt. Uh, teamed beautifully with a pair of checked pyjama bottoms. And yeah. on his head, Carl, would you mind describing what it is that he's wearing? It's it's the size... Well, it, his, his mask is about the size of a small hammock. Yes. It's a, it's, it's a traditional colour, shape and design surgical... paper surgical mask, one of those ones in paper, synthetic crossover things, um, that everybody wears with the little bit you pinch in. Now, Brian has misunderstood how to wear this huge mask and the bit for pinching in is underneath his massive beard uh, and the bottom of the mask is over the top of his beard what i love about this picture particularly and maybe carl you'd be good enough to share this on instagram later is brian's uh crinkly brow he looks as if he's either laughing or wincing hard as the needle is Entering his arm, I think it is. Yeah, it's actually in his arm. Um, so I'm not quite sure why he's having a good old cackle or whatever, but that mask is fantastic. You could actually probably sail a ship with it. Yeah, it's, I'm, I'm looking at it now and you know, like, um, nurses and uh, people like that wear, wear visors these days. Yeah. Just, just imagine an entire visor except sky blue, except only from the eyes down. Yeah. Upside down as well. Uh, down, down to about mid-chest, I'd say. Yeah, it's a remarkable thing. It just is a remarkable thing. I did. Uh, it looks like a novelty item. I know, for example, there's a dude at work with me uh, who ordered a bunch of um, fabric masks for the gentleman with the shovel beard. Um, so they're basically highway man uh, shape, if you yeah, know. Yeah, that's, that's the look, yeah. That's they, they basically go all the way down into a t- into a taper uh, to cover the beard. 
This thing, however, is next level. It's spectacular. Um, apart from um, Girth Cobain, had you anything else to open up, or are you happy enough to just uh, leave us with that particular little bit of wisdom? I, 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 you, can't, you can't top Girth Cobain. You're not going to top it. No, you, no, there's no, no, no. No point in even trying. Cam Branch, what have you got for us to start? Okay. Should the aggregate score be level after 90 minutes, extra time will be played. Fulham's match day program for the second leg of the Littlewoods Cup tie in 1986-87, Liverpool were 10 nil up from the first leg. <laughs> that's tremendous. Oh, that is tremendous. <laughs> Uh, I saw you having some great fun uh, in Discord with another throwback to a, a time where, unless I'm mistaken, I think it was, was it Bolton Wanderers beat Liverpool in some com- cup competition back in the day. <laughs> um, and you were, you were having great sport with the most puerile of humour uh, <laughs> where uh, a, a, an arm in a black and white shot was protruding in a very suggestive way. Um <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It's it's amazing, isn't it? It doesn't matter how old we get, knob gags will always be funny. Yeah, I mean, but the point of the picture actually was the three legs. I mean, that arm was just a coincidence in the picture. It was a bonus. It was yeah. a, bonus, a bonus, yeah. A bonus fourth leg. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's very much so. Reminds me of a guy I used to know who had the nickname Kickstand. I'll leave it there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Uh, so, so uh, moving swiftly away from the the the, uh, the knob jokes, we should get the ball rolling. We've got we've got like um, just the biggest game ever <laughs> in a way coming up. Uh, it's on the back of we haven't spoken since. Um, I suppose what we could deem the inevitable happened, and 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 the run of form that we've been in. Uh, manifested in a defeat as opposed to a draw which you know felt frustrating this defeat felt frustrating don't get me wrong i don't think it was deserved in any way shape or form and yet at the same time you know the run of form it's hard to argue uh with uh with it um as as a result so we were left with a couple of things um we're left with form um, our form, contrasting with that of our Mancunian friends, we're left with injuries. Our ridiculous list compared with that of those up the East Lanks. Um, and we're left with momentum, which often goes hand in hand with form ours versus theirs. None of these are battles which the Reds are winning at the moment. And yet, Carl, I mean, it's a subject close to your heart, but I've never seen anything to compare to this. You often talk about runners. I've never seen anything to compare to the amount of pure shitting themselves that people are doing about this. The whinging, the crying, the tossing of toys out of the pram, the people who have automatically, lovely people, genuine people that I really am fond of saying, that's it, it's all over now. It's done, it's all over. Totally given up. Um, maybe I'm being, and I'm, I'm not coming at this from a, uh, I have a moral uh, det- detestation of it like I know you do I'm just thinking I actually still believe we're going to win the league and, and I can and come back to you on this um, what, what was your take on the on the general reaction to the Manx moving three points ahead of us in the table because it was amazing to behold I've got absolutely no doubt whatsoever that Liverpool win the league this season absolutely no doubt at all I, I don't care what Man United do um, I think they've done very well, United. I, I genuinely do. Um, I thought the Pogba goal was very good. I'm getting a lot more fair, I think, in my old age. Um, I thought Pogba's goal was fantastic the other day. Uh, and I thought, um, I thought Bernie was just quite toothless more than anything else. Um, sometimes football teams, if you don't win your games, other teams win theirs and suddenly they take, go past you in the league. I don't think it's the end of the world. I think there was a similar thing about the cup job when people, oh my God, it's Man United. Fine, bring them on. Bring them on. I'm not playing Man United because we're a better side than they are. And, you know, they could get luckier than we do. That can happen. But what I'll never, ever do is give up before a ball's being kicked. I said, I was listening to a few of our old shows recently. And uh, uh, before the, uh, the the Kiev final, and I, I said on that show, I hope we get Real Madrid in the final because I want to see what this Liverpool team does against Real Madrid. I don't want to have, you know, 
Cheltenham away or anything like that. I wanted us to be tested against good sides. And I want to see this Liverpool side show something. Because mm. it's not been going well. And uh, I, thought, I, I thought we were dreadful at Southampton. I thought we really felt sorry for ourselves. Yeah. There's no excuse for that. I thought we were weak all over the park. And uh, not not just the injuries, and then we've got to protect lads and what have you, and Henderson's in the back four and that sort of thing. I just thought we were weak. I thought we looked like a really, really bad 2004 Liverpool side. Where you just, all, all, all you could, after you go down, I go down and you just think, please don't hurt me. Um, I've, got, I've got no time for Liverpool like that. But, but I haven't seen that for a long time, so I wasn't going to throw my toes, my, my toys out of the pram about that. But it's Man United Liverpool. It's Man United Liverpool. And I, and I know a few months, and I've, I've been, they've been saying, do you know what? This isn't going to last, but we're top of the league. And I thought, yeah, I think you're probably right. You're not going to win the league, but you're top at the moment. And you've got a chance to bloody our nose. And they're all up for that. So I really, really disappointed when I see people on our side not being up for it. It's Liverpool-Man United. And, you know, Liverpool-Man United, if that game was played in a car park somewhere in the middle of Bootle, I would go. You know, it's, it's, it's Liverpool-Man United and stand. Just stand. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, we, we will talk about the game itself in detail. It was just that particular issue I wanted to raise at the start. And Cam, I know you have a, a, an opinion on it too, because one of my rare forays into Discord, and I've apologised to Malby and the Spot fans for not being a person who goes into Discord, but I, listen, if, if I had my way, I'd barely have WhatsApp. I like talking to you boys on there. Um, I like talking to about two of my other mates in, in the world. I talk to family, but I really, any of the rest of the, you know, those WhatsApp groups where you come back and there's 7,000 messages. I can't deal with that shit at all. So I don't really get involved, but I did have a little dip into Discord and I saw you echoing a similar sentiment. Did I not, Cam? Yeah, pretty much for me. Um, the game on Sunday is the biggest game in world football. That's because I'm biased. I, but. For me, it's the biggest game in world football. And it's a game you never, ever want to lose. You know, and Carl's right. It can be played in the car park. It can be played in the school playground. It's Liverpool Man United. We don't want to be losing this game. We don't want to be having the attitude, oh, God, they're top of the table. That's it. It's all over now. We're not even halfway through the season. What do you ta- what do you what do you make of people? And you know who I'm talking about. Uh, well, maybe you don't because I know you've been avoiding Twitter, but you'll probably have seen yeah. it in Discord. I, I, I doubt very much Discord has been uh, uh, um, pessimism free. So you know the kind of people I'm talking about. They're people you respect and admire and get on with. Yeah. And they have given up already. They've just done, their their heads are gone. Yeah, I mean, they they they're giving up because we know. The the three games prior to the FA Cup game, we've been poor. We've been unlucky, but we've been poor as well. So, and then the fact that we've got no centre backs, that that's an issue as well. And it feels like the whole world's against us for for one reason or another. The the boys, the the players won't be thinking that. The coaching staff won't be thinking that. We're in a title race. And yeah, it's, it's frustrating. It's annoying that we've, um, you know, we've dropped 14 points this season that we really should not have, you know, or we would not have it if circumstances had been different. But it is what it is. You can only, you're only as good as your last game and you can only prepare for your next game. And that's what they have to do. We have to look at this game on Sunday. That's, that's the most important um moment we have right now and it doesn't matter whether it's Manchester United or Grimsby Town it's the most important game of our season and we have to do everything we can to be supporting the team and making sure that the players go out and give their all I mean I was talking to one of my dirty man nephews uh about two weeks ago and um he, he says the Man United position right now is false. This was before they'd gone top. He goes, they're, they're, they're winning games they should not be winning. They're not playing well. Uh, they, they, there's too many holes in that team. There's so many weaknesses in that team. A good team will exploit them. 
Now, we've got to show on Sunday that we're a good team. Yeah, it's like it's yeah, exactly, exactly. We've we've had amnesia um for quite a few games now. We've had a sort of uh group amnesia about how good we are as a team and how good the players on the park are, regardless of injuries at any given time in comparison to the opposition. There has been a sort of collective amnesia. It's strange. Um it needs we need to recover from it. And I'm gonna I'm gonna start with you on this, Cam, and go back to Carl on this question. It leads out of what you're talking about. Um in the Mulby in the Spot podcast i wanted to ask jan because in the, at the end of the day we're just chatting um we we haven't played the game at, at the highest level and i was curious to hear and i asked him i mean what, is there a distinct possibility that these guys are suffering and of course like we often make the point on that show about like these are humans too and, and this bullshit that is afflicting us all um this horrible scenario life scenario that's afflicting us all uh has psychological implications for every single human on the planet maybe even you know like i said before our manager and his family may be suffering ways we don't know and that can that can change a vibe and between a group of players um so there's that but do you think it's possible cam that you know the run of form the kind of why aren't things clicking the way they should uh someone like trent saying how come I'm not the best right back in the world at the moment uh, for several games in a row? Um, people like Sadio and Mo saying, how come they're not all flying into the back of the net uh, like they usually do? Um, you know, d- can that take hold, do you think? When you, when you couple it, for example, with things like that collection of VAR decisions uh, that I've just popped into the, um, into the group chat there that you've seen before, can that get in on top of a team, do you think? Is there a possibility that we might actually, mentality monsters and all, be suffering a bit at the moment? That's the point. That's where I was just about to go, where you just finished. Mentality monsters. Over the last three seasons, we've shown that mentally we are the strongest team in the league, if not the strongest team in Europe. And it was only four, five games ago I still, I still say it was our best performance of 2020, the 7-0 away against Palace. Um, if we'd won that game against West Bromwich Albion, for example, if the referee had done his job and blown for the foul and hadn't given the goal, you, you could say then the knock-on effect would have been different for the next game. Um, so you, you may have a point there that psychologically they could have been affected by results, but I'd like to think they haven't. I just think they're, they've just lost their form a little bit. The, um, the other teams, I wouldn't say have worked us out, but they know there's a way of, of stopping us at the moment. And I'm not clever enough to say what that is. That's, you know, there's, there's plenty of other analytical guys who, who can tell you more about playing in the half space and, doing this and doing that and you know the, the way the formations are that's not my that's not my thing I just go there watch a game and I enjoy the passing and the football and the movement the way it is I'm not going to tell you tactical stuff um, but there's de- de- obviously something has changed teams have found a way of stopping us creating those clear cut opportunities our strikers are suddenly not finding the back of the net the way they did you know seven goals in eight shots on target against Palace. It's like we've used used it all up in that one game. Yeah, because because that, that side of things wasn't wonderful since restart last season. Uh yeah. and it seems to slip back into that. Yeah, I mean hang on to if there's anything else you want to tip in at the end, I want to let, let Carl get in on this action while it's still a fresh topic. I mean the psychological aspect, Carl, I mean you know, you're talking about the, how you expect fans to behave it, it, there, there is a, it is valid for the point that I put forward there that these guys could very well be ju- just hitting a wall. I don't mean that they've suddenly become fragile and frail and not able to uh, get into that um, mentality of being winners um, because they can't do it. I mean that they could just hit a bit of a wall. I mean, you know, we talked last week a bit about running and how, uh, you know, um, you can reach a certain point where it's just like, really, I have to keep going. How do I, how do I push on through this? There could be a few of them hitting that same time, or it could even be a collective group sort of, 
mentality. What do you think about that as a potential for an explanation for where we're at at the moment? Well, it's also it's mental tightness as much as anything else. Because to be told, right, the next the next game you've got in in two days' time is the biggest game of the season, and then you come off that and you've won the game or you've drawn or you know you've done something with it, um, which is mostly what we do: we either win or draw. Um, and then two days later, but right, the next game you've got is the biggest game you've ever got. And when's it ever going to bloody end? And in an ordinary season, you, know, you do get time to sort of like you know go and re, you know recalibrate a bit and think. Right now, I'm ready for the big game, but the way the season's been, it's just, I don't think, I don't think the season's going to finish, by the way. I'm pretty sure it won't. But um, it's just like, you know, every couple of days, it's very, very hard to sort of mentally tune yourself in. And, you know, you can always say, yeah, yeah, I'm ready for the next game. But you're not, maybe you're not always like that. Because you think, you know what, I'm bloody knackered. Or, um, uh, you know, because even, even if they're not playing, they're still doing all the stuff. They're still training every day. They're still sitting in the stand waiting to come on. They're still, um, you know, fully expecting to, to to go and play, and it is a bit of a tiring business. And I think we just look a bit. I think we just look a bit graded, um, a bit sort of jaded more than anything else. Yeah, and I suppose that's what I'm saying. It's a, it's it's an understandable thing. We have been far and away the best team in the country uh, when you consider what that means for a long time now. All the records are still there, um, unless I'm mistaken. You know, it is set up in a very kind of um, worrying way just to just to finish this topic out. You know, uh, the mentality thing has an extra kicker I hadn't thought of. We have this wonderful domestic run of results uh, to protect. Um, I mean, that might come into it as well and add a little bit of tension uh, and to... Well, can, I, can I ask you the other side of this, Trev? See yeah. where you stand on this. Imagine if we were um, we'd won every single game and Man United was twenty four points behind us. What would you be thinking then? I'd be thinking this is perfectly set up for them to beat us. Oh, absolutely. But but oh, and this is to contradict what Cam was saying earlier on. Only because it is Man United and Man United exactly. Is a, it's a, it's a different game. Um, but you remember when we were not great uh, and we were re-emerging from being not great. Uh, in the Julia years, we could always go and, and do them, even though they would obviously win the league and we'd be away off in third or fourth. Um, they probably have had that feel about them for us in the last couple of seasons, um, even though they haven't well, really well, managed well, I've got a theory about Yeah, exactly. I've got, I mean, I've got a theory about that. I read a very, 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 very good piece yesterday go on. Um, on, on another website about some bloke, I mean, to be honest, I think he should be paid by every single media outlet alive. Um, was basically saying that um, it's quite a contradictory thing that, like, you know, when we're doing really, real, really well, United aren't, and vice versa. And yet, when Liverpool were doing really, really well in the eighties, we were once in the league at Old Trafford in ten years. When United were doing really well in uh, the nineties and the two thousands, we won three times, one nil at, at Old Trafford, three old, um, or three Danny Murphy goal games. Yeah, um, well, Fon's got nothing to do with that. So I suggest you really, really read that article because it's just written by. I, I, I mean, to use the word writer is, is to underplay the genius, whoever that man is. I mean, just have a look at it online. I think I tweeted it a couple, a couple of times yesterday. So, so people can find this mysterious writer, this mysterious scribe of notes uh, on your Twitter timeline. Yeah, yesterday Excellent. about three times. Excellent. It's 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 very interesting that I, I, I'm I'm. Mad to find out who who could that possibly be, uh, Cam. I mean, just to, to to wrap up on this topic of the the psychology of it. Um, I mean, it really you, is very good. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, we we did get that. Uh, to to let you get in because you brought it up. Um, it is a different game against this lot. Um, yeah. it just is a different game, and I know a lot of people who it would often be generally quite positive, but this is the one where. Uh, the tummy starts to go a bit. This is the one where the heads start to go a bit. This is the one where, and I've said it, you've said it, and Carl said it on this show before, you don't really enjoy it because it's that lot, you know? Not at all. Never, ever enjoy this game. I mean, I'm absolutely fine right now. I'll be fine tomorrow. I'll be fine on Saturday. I'll be fine all the way Sunday till 4.30. And as soon as that whistle goes, I'm a bag of nerves. Yeah. I'm, I'm biting my fingernails. I'm, I'm pacing around. Um, that there there's even been a video of me 
on my knees in front of the TV, banging the floor. I do recall that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think you made the mistake of sharing it with us. Well, yeah, I do. I, and, and I, 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 go the, I go the other way on all this. I have a bag of rage. <laughs> well, that was my rage bit, wasn't it? Oh, that's yeah. true. Yeah. 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 Uh, well, can, can like before before you continue, Cam, can I amp this up a bit? Both Carl's rage and your anxiety and rage, and say that this is even more significant because should we win, we reclaim top spot psychologically in the in the in the in the topic that we're on now. That will either be a massive thing or certainly a significant thing. Should they win, it's a six point swing. Uh, that's, uh, pardon my, uh, Limmy language, fucking huge. That's huge. Uh, if they're, if they're six points clear, uh, uh, level on games played, then you, then I can see lads who are sort of handing the, 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 the league away. Maybe that's what they're basing their handing the league away on is they're assuming we get de- defeated now because of the center half situation. Uh, and they will be six points clear. Maybe that's, maybe I wasn't doing the sums. Maybe that's the obvious thing that they've done. Um, finish us out on this topic for now because we have a few other related things we want to talk about. Yeah. Now, now you've mentioned that six points you've, um, you're almost turning me into a bag of nerves already now. Um, yeah. and, and, and the know. bag of rage. <laughs> <laughs> there, there must be a word for this. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, like, it's like, it's like the hungry thing, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Angry yeah. because you're hungry. Yeah. 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 I mean, Ma- mankry. Mankry. That doesn't quite work. That one, that's not bad. Mangry. That's what it should be. Mangry. Mangry. Yeah. That's, that sounds it's too connected to Mank, isn't it? That Mangry. Yeah. We can't have that. So, um, I, I, no, um, I'm, that's where I'm at. So, um, it's up until Sunday, I'll be fine. And once the game's up and running, uh, it's almost like I don't want to watch it, but I have to watch it. Um, <laughs> I know, yeah. <laughs> and if anybody comes near me while I'm watching the game, uh, they get a gobble. They will get a gobble. I, I, okay. I mean, let's, let's talk about how we can possibly look before the mics went live. You mentioned the topic that we, we do need to address. I've sort of, I've sideways mentioned it there. It's the center half thing. And we saw yesterday James Pierce, uh, put out a, um, Twitter poll saying which of Jordan, um, Nat or, um, Reese. Reese should take center half position alongside Fabinho, our newfound, uh, apparent center half extraordinaire. Um, and of course, you know, I suppose that certainly adds to the, the people's tummies and arses going, I guess, you know, that's just gonna, that's just gonna do it, I guess. It's a shame. And I think it says a lot. And maybe, maybe we do need to, um, maybe. Carl and I, and I think I saw yourself saying that you expect us still to win the league. Maybe we do need to reevaluate it a little bit because it is such a huge blow to such a key area of the park. Um, that, 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 and, and it's one that we don't appear to be willing to address in this, um, transfer window because I'd be of the opinion that were we to have been interested in doing anything, that player would already be here and, and bedding in. And that's where I stand on it. Um, so I have no expectations of any arrivals and I certainly won't be watching on transfer deadline day on any uh, bated breath. I believe that's probably not going to happen. Um, I find it f- infuriating. I've referred to it in the past, Cam, as almost tantamount to negligence. I do understand the bigger picture thing. I don't want to get into it with people who over and back tell me, do you not understand how it works? Yeah, fair play. Fair play. Consider yourself patted on the head. I get it. Of course, I get it. I follow this team very closely. I understand the strategies. I'm a fan, and I'm frustrated that we're not buying a player to fix a problem. Do you do you feel yourself in the same um, of the same mindset, Cam? Because it is frustrating, isn't it? When we're having these polls, like should we rob our captain out of midfield to stand beside our other our, our actual best? defensive midfielder if not midfielder overall um in defense you know it's a it's a frustrating freaking place to be cam yeah it's a fucked up place to be and um i totally understand where you're coming from i totally understand the other side of the coin in you know the the club is very much hamstrung 
you know, for for all the obvious reasons, you know, every man in his dog knows we need a centre back. They're holding firm, probably not letting us uh, do a deal the way we want to do a deal, you know. And um, I'm sure that the owners are just as frustrated. Don't think the owners don't have the best interests of the club at heart. They wouldn't have been here for 10 years. They could have sold now that club. They could have put it up for sale for one and a half billion or whatever it's worth now if they wanted to. If they really wanted to, they could have cashed in by now. They've got, they got, last summer was the perfect time for them to try and cash in if it wasn't for COVID or after they went, after they won the Champions League, they could have cashed in and walked yeah. away with a nice tidy sum. So let's not, let's not think that the owners aren't as frustrated as us fans. I genuinely think they are. I think it, it's very, very difficult time to do business in January. Do you know um, why they, do you know why they really are, Cam? And, 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 and this is something that, you know, I have to have pointed out to me on the show yesterday evening. It's because they actually financed a real gamble this summer. We, we decided to gamble on not getting in the center half because Tiago was available for 30 million. And because, uh, w- and because we went for a guy who everyone was raising their eyebrows and saying, <laughs> really? Jota for 45 million? Wow. I mean, that seems like a daft thing to do. 75 million. That's 75 million. Um, in the little glimpses we've seen of, of both is such well spent money. And yet the frustrating part of this season is, is encapsulated in those two transfers right there. Shota comes in, starts like a house on fire, and now we don't have him. Yeah. Um, Tiago comes in, looks like God's gift of football, and we haven't had him. Yeah. It's, it's encapsulated in that. I'm sure you're right. I'm sure they're absolutely yeah. heartbroken but, because they, but they just stay to, back. Just to spin that slightly, Trev, I think they only paid uh, four million up from uh, Jota to start with this season. So it wasn't a massive outlay. It was a no-brainer deal. Um, the Thiago deal I've mentioned before was, uh, I think it ultimately came down to the choice of they sold Lovren, got Simicas in for the Lovren money. We needed a left back. We knew we needed a left back. Then it became apparent that Thiago was available and it came to a straight choice. Do we get Thiago or do we get a fourth choice centre back in? It's a no brainer. You get Thiago. That's exactly, that's exactly what I'm saying. So there was a gamble yeah. taken with their money. Yeah. And, you know, regardless of the amounts paid up front, because there's no way Jota's going anywhere. So we're going to be paying out all of that. Um, and, and it's, and it's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking that it hasn't it hasn't worked out so far. Maybe Diogo will come back in a blaze of glory. Maybe uh, Thiago will start to really take hold now, and the defensive issues will will not be so bad because we'll start to outscore every fucker again. That could happen. Totally, because I think uh, Jota's a couple of weeks away from returning. They were talking end of January. He he had a similar injury to uh, Thiago, I believe. So, um, which I think was bruising on the bone. So I'm sure somebody will correct me if I'm wrong. So he should be back end of January. Hopefully by then we'll have we'll have a centre back playing one game a week maybe in Matic. Hopefully we'll have Naby back by then as well. Suddenly the only and hopefully we'll have Simicast back as well. All of a sudden the only two players we're now missing are, are the two centre backs who we knew were out for the whole season. We're suddenly in a healthier position again, just with those three players coming back, because yeah. all the other players are suddenly training or are available again. Mm. Yeah, we're only two weeks away, and if if pull by crook, we can get some sort of a result on Sunday, which I believe we will. What? Hook or by crook? I don't care how we get the result. I just want the result. I think it'll be a VAR decision in our favour. I'm trying to, I'm trying to anti-jinx this, obviously. Um, yeah, yeah, I agree. We're still in it. I mean, ultimately for me, Man City are the favourites for the league. I still think we'll, we'll be there or thereabouts. Right. Okay. I, I did not see that coming. You, you, uh, well, yeah, I suppose the run of form. Look, that's the thing. If you look at recent fixtures, look at the, the last 10 fixtures, especially the last five fixtures, we have by far the worst run of form there by a mile. Um, the, the other two man clubs have four wins and draw. We have, uh, 
two wins, two draws and a defeat. Um, so we're way, way off. Um, way off, but we're still, we're still there. Well, we, that's what I'm saying. We were still yeah. in, in, a, in a, in a parallel universe where nine to 11 points clear of all of these bastards and everyone in the country is saying null and void it now. You know that. Of course. Of course. Uh, I, I, Carl, let me let me side sidestep into this and talk about you know the whole feeling around Liverpool and the club and 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 and, and the way that fortune has has manifested itself uh, in Liverpool games this year. None more interesting than the VAR stuff. And like I said, there's a little compilation there. You'll have seen it before, and it is quite. It gets more and more glaringly, egregiously awful every time you see it. Um, and we had some commentary on it, and this is where I want to bring you in on uh, this. By and this guy is going to form part of the last topic of the show as well. He's in fact inspired it in many ways. Um, he, Mr. Mark Clattenburg, um, who said. Let's be clear, there's no conspiracy on the part of the referees and officials. Was Klopp insinuating there is, or is he suggesting United have players who are encouraged to dive? If his intention was the former, then I've got no time for that. It's simply not true. But if he was highlighting the ease w- with which some United players go down in the penalty area, then yes, I believe he's making a valid point. Even if it does ignore similar suspicions about some of his stars, I've watched United closely this season, analysed each of their 11 penalty awards, there are as many as five where I believe contact was invited or even initiated by the United player. They are in many ways being clever. Now, I'm going to leave it there before I get too infuriated to continue. He goes on. No, I'm going to continue. He says Klopp does not like losing. He never has. He gets prickly. But he is wrong to suggest there is an aura around United that sees them giving favorable decisions. There used to be when Fergie was there. Fergie, by the way. Fergie, yeah, exactly. mind you, but that has eased massively since he left. I am the only referee to give three penalties to the opposition at Old Trafford, and that was for Liverpool of all teams <laughs> in 2014. Lol. But David Moyes was manager. I'm not sure that would have happened when Fergie was there. My God, I don't even know where to start with this prick. Uh, just respond to that whatever way you want. I think if you're afraid to give a penalty because of the opposition referee, I don't really see what you're worried about. Someone's going to shout at you in a corridor. You can shout back at them if you want. What's he going to do? Doom in the car park afterwards. So this reminds me of it's it's and it's not it's not relevant at all. But this is just something in my head. Do you remember when Arsenal played Chelsea a few years ago, and Gabriel? Mm. Was it Gabriel? Is that his name? Like the, the, the kid who got sent off. Because Costa was like shoving him around the head, throwing him to the ground by his nose and all that sort of stuff. And Gabriel stood up and kicked him. Yeah. Um, and, got, and got sent off, rightly so. And because he got played, he got massively played. Because they let, he let Costa go, the referee let Costa go. And then Gabriel just went, I'm going to whack him in the air. What I don't understand about that is what do the players think is going to happen if they go nose to nose with Costa like Henderson did? What's he gonna do? Doom in the car park? They're like multi-millionaires. It doesn't. It doesn't work like that. And it's the same way with referees and Ferguson. I just never understood it at all. What's he gonna do? I mean, you can say he's got power at the FA, and you know, and, and David Dean, you know, and all that sort of thing, and David Gill had a similar thing, and what have you. But um, what's I he suppose he's, he's, he's a man in his seventies shouting at you. But to 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 amplify the conspiracy angle a bit. Uh, and, 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 and Foxy there was, was hinting at it to amplify that a little bit. Um, what he could do, I guess, is ensure that referee X would be refereeing a cold, wet Grimsby town versus whoever. Um, um, and that's match. exactly what it is. And that makes the league shit houses. A hundred percent. And it makes PGMOL shit houses yeah. and every referee shit house. Yeah. Every one and, of them. And let's be honest. They are referee our shit houses because if they if and they can't really win because if they go the other way and be all brave and say right I'm at Anfield and I don't care how many times Mo Salah's being kicked in the air I'm not giving a penalty because I'm not going to be having the crowds on my back telling me what to do then he's a shit referee Michael Oliver so you know they can't really win but you know I, I mentioned this on the show quite recently actually about about 
if, if I was a player playing at Anfield, because uh, I know this has happened, and the referee starts referring to Liverpool's captain as Stevie and Cara, rather than saying you, blue number four, which is what they should be calling them. You've got to say, they've got a point. The referees are shithouses. They, they are, and, but I don't really see what else they can be, to be honest, because you can be brave and you can be too brave and you can be a shithouse the other way. So, Well, you see, they can be shithouse squared now. Because they've yeah. got the, they've got their v, their VAR pals, uh, um, just I think, and I don't. If any anyone wants to 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 speak to me about this in a, in, a, in an individual conversation and refer me to refer to me as a luddite or something, um, I'll happily take that conversation on because that's just bollocks. I think that this is a thing that has done nothing but bad. Uh, it's a it's an absolutely shit innovation. Um, as it stands, um, and all these people who suddenly seem to feel sympathy for for AI and computers and want to say it's not the technology's fault, that is the most redundant, asinine point I've ever heard made. Absolutely redundant talk, because everybody knows that there is subjectivity in the application of those things, and that oh, is sorry. the issue. And that is the issue. And I wish, I wish to Christ, one human on television, on a major television platform would say that simple sentence because it would end bullshit conversations for once and for all but no no we're forced to endure endless diets of fucking nonsense point and counterpoint based on nonsense wow my my mate just just pointed out on twitter that jamie redknapp can't say the word difficult he says the word difficult i just thought i mentioned that i've just read it it made me laugh I'm saying the word difficult. Uh, Jamie Redknapp. You know, it's it, Jamie Redknapp's uh, difficult um, uh, <laughs> <laughs> issues with uh, with uh, with pronunciation aside. We should start segueing a little bit out of football. But Mark Clattenburg, of course, is famous for um, enhancing his follicular um, abundance in a very clear and obvious way um and hats off to anyone who wants to do that and so i have a question for you um gents it's very simple on on in in today's in today's training photos or perhaps it was yesterday i've lost track of time because i'm uh teaching remotely um and it's 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 doing a number on my head in terms of what day of the week it is so Cam, Cam, he means old age, Cam. He means old age if you finish that. Yeah, well, he is eighty-four. What do you expect? That, that, that is true, sadly. Yeah. Well, listen, you know, <laughs> I wear it well. Um, I did notice that Sadio Mane's hairline is creeping forward at a, at, a, at an alarming rate. Um, when it you think he's had a fir- has he had a ferment? Is that what you're saying? I think he's had. I think he's had some. I think he's had some some men in. Yes. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um there's no two ways about it. If you just have a look at the train photos, his his hairline is 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 uh has, has moved forward on his forehead. Um because let's be honest, it was halfway back his skull. Um and you know, it, it was it was getting to one of those it was get, it wasn't quite um what was it? Was it Gervinho, was it back in the day? The yeah, Arsenal yeah. kid? It wasn't quite Gervinho levels, but it wasn't far off it. Um so fair play to him. I thought, oh yeah, nice one. Uh, and I know, for example, Kloppo has been open about saying that he's had a, a bit of hair work done. Uh, so I've got a simple question for you. Um, who has had the best weave put in in football? I know who I think it is. Um, but I'm curious to know who you would think has had the best, uh, hair enhancement in football or if you can't think football if there's somebody else you think oh well, that's that's a really good job they've had done there um feel free to ask and then we've got one more topic before we finish so uh any thoughts cam on this best um best uh hair enhancement oh um, most people in that condition just put their just put hats on when they can <laughs> I'm, I'm i'm struggling to think who who's had a hair job like that i know i know rooney's had it but his was awful his uh, was oh, imagine having all the money Wayne Rooney has and yeah. having that shit job done it must have been just an impossible job it must have been just I don't know yeah. it was so bad yeah I mean that's the only one I can really think of in football. I know someone who uh, once engaged with me on Twitter a famous uh, cricketer 
England cricketer. He had it done, and his was quite good. That was Darren Goff. Yeah, well, he's he's actually fronted um, at least he's fronted one of those hair replacement treatments that guy. Yeah, got. I've seen him on the adverts. Yeah, yeah. So, so his his was a good one. Um, you're missing out on a couple of really obvious ones. So apart from apart from Sadio, there's one that's very close to home in the Reds. Come on, get get your thinking cap on. All right, we'll go to Carl while I while I have a think. Carl, who am I talking about? Who? Who do you mean? Shakiri. Oh, of course, yeah, yeah, I forgot all about him. Shakiri's got a fringe all of a sudden. Shakiri's got a sort of a, a lovely bit of 1920s floppy front hair going on. Where See, he, if you said out, I would have said Shakiri. If you, if I, if it's, well, yeah, but now, now he's got the hair to go with it. Now he's got, Herinda will be turning in his, uh, in the car when I say Pout and Shakiri. There's a Desi reference on my last pod. Oh, oh, is it? Is yeah, it? Yeah. Well, he, yeah. he, he is given to a selfie, so I assumed, I assumed that's what you meant. Um, no, no, I, I said he was good at pouting, but apparently that was an awful shout on my part. <laughs> Most things you say on Desi are an awful shout on your part, I've noticed. Uh, <laughs> whether they are or not, uh, the, uh, <laughs> the, the crosshairs tend to arrive on you very quickly. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I, I, so, so, so basically, I, I'm, I'm basically doing this entire conversation on my own. As, uh, Carol, have you got anything to add to this? Yeah, I, I have actually. I was, I was going to say the most impressive, um, her thing is, is, is because I didn't know. So, um, I assume we're fans of the film Jackie Brown here. Yes. Um, Max Cherry is talking to, um, to Jackie Brown, uh, and, um, played by the remarkable, um, Pam Greer, and, she says, don't you worry about getting old. And he says, yeah, you know, but you know, I did a few things. She said, I've, um, I had a problem with my hair a few years ago and I, t- I took care of that and I'm happy with it now. And I, when I watch that for the, and every time I see that film, I think, was he really? Oh, in that case, that looks really good because I wouldn't have guessed that. So apparently Max Cherry was bald and, and, uh, and, and got something done to his hair and you can, I couldn't tell that. Well, I think. So I'm going to claim Max Cherry. I think that's a good one. And I'd have to say kudos to producer Guy Drinkle for picking the obvious winner that I was going to say as well. It is Antonio Conte. Look at pictures of Antonio Conte towards the end of his playing days. It's yeah, a yeah, shit that show. Is true. It's an absolute shit show of comb overs and strands and everything and a massive ball paint in the middle. And now he's going around with a, a sort of a, a luxuriant mop like uh homer gets when he yeah it's tries amazing that, uh, what, what's what's the thing what's the demoxidal or Demo- something demoxidal yeah yeah <laughs> and his secretary is called his secretary carl. yeah carl oh yes oh he yes gets a secretary called carl yeah that's correct <laughs> yeah. magic magic last question of the day well, hang on. before we do this though can i can i point to, um I'm trying to find the name of the, the actual website, but if you're talking about things like that, I beg you, absolutely beg you to look at a site. It's something called Prematurely Old uh, Aging Footballers. Or, oh or God, fo- fo- Footballers Aging Badly or something. I'll, I'll look it up. But it's, um, it's like they put like old Panini sticker things up and they say, yeah, 80 footballers aging badly. 80s footballers uh, aging badly. We'll look it up the video. And it's things like, you know, it, there's, there's, a, there's a, a picture of an old man and it's a, by the way, He's twenty nine. Yeah, you know, it's. Yeah. Uh, it's uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna um, see if I can share this. This, um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put this in the chat if I can. There was something about the seventies and eighties and how people didn't seem to give a shit and 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 just let themselves get way older than they were, way before their time. It was an amazing thing to behold. That exact thing you're talking about, twenty four year olds who looked about seventy five. Um, although you know, as a as a time lord, I can relate to it. Uh, yeah. Last question of the day, uh, inspired by a conversation that we were having, uh, Carl, uh, before the um, mics went live. <laughs> Look at Carl those two lads. <laughs> Carl has just pictured, um, uh, put in two pictures of absolutely ancient gents. Ernie Maguire is 36 and Nivaldo, who's 29. The lad, the lad, Nivaldo on the right hand side, who's 29, actually looks like everybody's granddad. And, and, and Ernie Maguire doesn't look a day under 55 and he is 36. 
and Nivaldo's 29 and he honest to god it's not the bald it's not the bald head it's just the general go of him that's amazing anyway people it's, can't it's at 80s as in the number 80 80s a g i n g at 80s agent and they're ah. doing like a workout breakdown and it's just fantastic yeah no, that's They've got one of Neil Aspin at Leeds when he was 23. And, yeah. and, and, and I'm sure he's my granddad's mate. Before we started the show, we were talking about who we would like to go for a pint with. Who we would like, or if we're not, if you're not, if you're not into your alcoholic tipples, who would you like to share a coffee with? Who would you like to spend a bit of one on one time over a beverage? Um, does it have to be football related, Carl? Oh, God, absolutely not, no. Absolutely not. So I'm going to give. Uh, you have, you've obviously got one, um, or two good to go. Um, Cam, do you require some time for thought here? Yes, give me a Okay, so I'm going to go to you, Carl, to answer your own question first. Well, I've been listening to the Talking Sopranos podcast because I'm obsessed by the Sopranos. And I've determined from this that, um, Michael Imperioli, who, um, is one of my favorite actors, not just because he's Christopher in the Sopranos, um, and one of my favorite directors and writers, um, will be an incredibly good pint for the following reasons that I've learnt on this podcast. Um, <clears throat> he, um, one of his favourite, you know, obviously he's, he's from uh, Mount Vernon, and um, which I think is New York State, uh, uptown. Um, one of his favourite programmes is The Royal Family. Ha! Huh, really? As in, as in Ricky Tomlinson, yeah. And wow. he loves stuff, and he loves like really likes British stuff in general. He really like, he really really likes his, his Manchester music as well as I as do I. Because that's the thing we can agree on. How did he get to be an Anglophile? I don't understand it. He's just—he's just a, a Renaissance man, you know. He—he's he, not stuck in this. And, we, and by contrast, the bloke he's on the show with—honestly, uh, all he ever talks about is just his mates in Vegas. And um, but he's like really into sort of obviously because he's been in lots and funded lots of um, indie movies and things like that. I just think he's a really interesting man. Uh, to say you know that he was in Goodfellas when he was twenty-two or something like that, obviously because yes. he's Spider in Goodfellas. Spider, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. Working with Daniel, um, actually, yeah. When you think about that, the, he's he's gonna have some stories. That guy. He went with Spike Lee. Yeah. Um. Obviously, he, is he gonna do the right thing? I think he might be. Um. Uh. He he wrote some sort of Sam. It's a great great film, and um. Yeah, I think that would be a really really good pint. I always like to say also that Graham Sinatra would be a great pint as well. <laughs> You know, I agree with you there. There was a time I I would have thought you were you were a bit mad, but I agree with you there. The the new slightly more humble version of him, I think, would be good company. Um, Cam, you've had some time to think. Who would you share a drink with if you could? Oh, Suna some Pogba. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can just see you pulling your your still back a couple of yards and just letting them go at it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just yeah. you know, just let a few bombs and then just say, "Carry on, guys." So, uh, <laughs> you a shit, where are you, Graham? I'll see you later, lads. Yeah. <laughs> All the best. <laughs> um, who would I like to a, a coffee with? Because I'm not a pint man. Um, Richard Ashcroft. Of course, of course, the creator of your album. Yeah, <laughs> you could talk, you could talk about that album you have. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I really want to discuss the four songs that I love. Oh and yeah, sorry, I forgot. It's actually only four songs from that album, isn't it? Four yeah. songs. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. I'd want to talk about those four songs and you know how you know what was the inspiration behind those songs. Uh, that that would really intrigue me. I'm sure there's probably an interview out there somewhere where he's already done it. Well, the, the drugstore works about his dad, isn't it? About his dad dying. I thought that was something to do with his sister. Oh, maybe. I don't know. Maybe I've got that wrong. Yeah, I heard it was something to do with his sister, but, you know, what do I know? So, um. Well, you have to go and find him and find out. This is it. This is it. So, yeah. You know, the, you know the Oasis song Cast No Shadows about him? I did know that, yeah, I knew that yeah. was about Ashcroft, but um, that's, I mean, listen, you're stretching it there now, that's another song from another Yeah, yeah exactly, yeah. Um, so that's not, we're, that's in, not we're, in, we're in danger territory here. <laughs> 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 Uh, I have to say, uh, just purely because I watched Train Spotting last night, and I did have two very interesting Twitter interactions with him where we we had great crack talking about 
uh, novelty swear words from his neck of uh, the woods in Edinburgh and my neck of the woods here in rural Meath. Uh, we were making each other laugh with uh, phrases my elf fella uses and uh, stuff like that. I would actually like to have a pint with Irvin Welch. I, I really think. would. Uh, I, I, really think, would. I, I think he'd be a, a decent... I think he'd be decent company for for a wee while. Uh, anything I hear from him, I tend to nod my head in agreement with. And then I do like the fact that he's got that sort of uh, ability to be absolutely raucous as well. Um, if you've ever read anything of his, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, and the only other one, actually, uh, football-related, just came up this week. Um, I, I have to say, I saw that... Um, and it would be a coffee because he's a famous teetotaler. I saw Jimmy Milner's video where he was doing the top 10. Do you remember that? Did you see that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I really, nobody, would be one. nobody understands that man. He's, he's, there are layers to that lad. I mean, yeah. everyone, it, it, there's a difference. You can have a dry wit and everyone thinks, oh, he's actually quite funny when you get to know him. But this lad is there. Doing something like that, which is pure mental, um, for his own amusement and that of everybody else. And I think, Jesus Christ, there's, there, there must be depths to that guy. I think he'd be fantastic company for a wee while. I'd love a chat with Jimmy Miller. So he'd be my footy related. Uh, I've got one. I've got another one then. Um, yeah. because I, I read this a while ago. And there is a member of the Liverpool squad who's a very, very deep thinker and is thinking of doing some sort of psychology or philosophy course, uh, or writing about things like that. And that is oh. Tim Okarigi. No, incredibly, incredibly bright man, apparently. Huh. That's yeah, very interesting. So was Simon, or Simon Mignolet. Yeah. I think he spoke right, six, right, five right, languages. Yeah. He's yeah. got a couple of degrees or something. And Leia yeah. Lovren speaks five or six, doesn't he? But he's got no choice where he's from because he's Central Europe, so. I knew, I knew Miggs was a bright boy, but I didn't realise that about Div. That's very interesting. Huh. Yeah, yeah, he's a, he's a really, really deep thinker. Div sort of comes across as a bit of a divvy, really, doesn't it? So well, you don't I mean, see him as a bright lad. I mean, I mean, well, only only because he doesn't know how to celebrate. Other than that, I have no reason to question oh, no, him no, whatsoever. He's emotionally scarred from being kissed at Villa Park that one time he scored the winner. He, <laughs> he'll never celebrate again after that. Probably not. I mean, that's fair too. Hey, can, um, can we just remind the listeners, by the way, the name of um, uh, David Carigi's dad? Oh yeah, please do go ahead. It's Mike, Ma- Mike Arigi. Mike Arigi's lad, yeah. Divock. Mike. Mike. It's amazing. I love it. I absolutely love it. Right, we should wrap it up. Uh, any final thoughts from you, Cam Branch? Um, my football one would have been Stevie G. So, um, just for Oh, that. okay. Nice, nice. Yeah. Really? Uh, I, I don't get that, you know. I don't get that. Uh, sorry. Well, that that's only because... <laughs> no, 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 but I think he's one of the one of these guys. If you got him one to one, you'd see a completely different side to him. I, I, you know, I, I think you're I right. Think I, I, I think, think he's one of those. He's a very angsty lad. Yeah. He's, he always wore his angst on his sides, on his on his sleeve. Incredibly angsty fella. Uh, and when he's in the public eye, I think you're right, Cam. There's a different different fella. I, I think he'd be interesting to talk to one to one, even if it was only um, to. Ask what really happened with that Phil Collins story, because uh, I, I think I think that's what I'm. That's my issue. I know it is. I knew I I, I knew immediately it was the Phil Collins thing. <laughs> I, I'll, have a, I'll have a pint, but he's not going anywhere near that jukebox. <laughs> I'll keep him away from that. Uh, anyway, good show, Cam. And what were you going to finish this with? Right. Of course, I didn't take my wife Steve Rochdale as an anniversary present. It was her birthday. Would I have got married in the football season? Anyway, it was Rochdale Reserves. The great man. Yeah. The great man. The great yeah. man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm wearing a t-shirt with his face on as we speak, Is it him and Bill? Is it that one? No. In the goal of t-shirts? Him and Bob, brother? Yeah. It is? Yeah, I love that t-shirt. I absolutely love that t-shirt. I sent away for it there a while ago, but... um Sadly, it's not great condition. It's not a very good quality one. But best, best not talk about that, uh, lest I give a company a bad rep. Carl Coppock, what have you got to finish us off with? 
just to let you know that Sun Green Grass and a Bull is um, is doing very, very well indeed. We've got another piece from Thor this week, which is just about something called Kaiser. And to be honest, I'm editing it tonight. And I've already had one quick look at it, and it's just naught about this bloke who basically just didn't want to play football, but just kept getting big contracts from people because like, he knew people. And he's never wanted to play in the game. It's a really, really weird story. So that's what some green grass in the ball is about, that sort of uh, that weird thing. We've also just recorded the latest um, Sherlock from Adler to Amberley podcast. We did that on Monday. We've just covered Silver Blaze, which, of course, discusses the curious incident of the dog in the night time. Love it. Love it. Um, I'm not going to say one, I've got one final thought, though. Oh, yeah. we're, talking about, we're talking about Manchester United and you know them going top and possibly going six points clear. And possibly mm-hmm. not going to start the FA Cup, but um, to quote Michael Corleone, our true enemy has yet to reveal himself. <laughs> it's all about City, lads. Honestly, no one's talking about City. Yeah. Well, oh, to be fair, Young Branch did. He said they were favourites. And yeah. uh, and I think I think he's right. Um, and I think the scepticism around the Manx is fully justified. They were on the verge of implosion. Everyone they were in fighting. There was comical defensive displays going on at different times. Uh, all the sort of like I say internal politics, the pundits. It was a shit show. And they've just had a wonderful run of form, uh, an unsustainable away from home run of form. Yeah. Uh, and at some stage, it'll have to buckle, and they're away from home against us. Uh, so let's hope that that's what happens, and we're talking about a Reds win when we speak next. I'm not going to plug anything this week. I'm going to let you guys get out of here on time or a bit late, and we'll speak to you next week when we will be talking about um, the Manchester United game, uh, looking ahead to Burnley, and the Manx again in the Cup soon after that. So lots and lots of football to come. Let's hope Carl's um, uh, inkling that the uh, season may be uh, under threat doesn't come to pass and that we get to have the football to distract us through the thing that shall not be named until we don't need distraction anymore and we can all get back into grounds. Let's wrap it up with that. I have been Trev Downey. You had Carl Kopak, you had Cam Branch, you had Guy Drinkle contributing as ever quietly in the background. That was the Anfield Index podcast. And we look forward to you joining us next week. Talk to your mates. Spread the word about the show for the love of all that's holy. We don't ask you to do anything except that. So do it, please. We'd appreciate it immensely. Until we speak to you again, be kind to your fellow Reds and stay safe out there. Podcast Network.